1: Fulhamish is back for the season by Ladbrooks. This is Fulhamish. My name is Sammy James. We are your regular audio drip feed of Fulham FC goodness. And it might be Blue Monday today, but we have got so many positives to discuss as Fulham ticked all of the boxes on Saturday. I'm going to rattle them off now. Feel free to add a ding. Away win. Ding. Last minute. Ding. <laughs> we would have to do this. Undeserved. One point off the playoffs. Dom had fish bowls against the Tony Pulis team. What a Saturday. We're going to be discussing all the fallout from Saturday's brilliant win up at Middlesbrough. And tonight, I've got three podcast guests that tick all of the right boxes when it comes to Fulham FC. Starting off with Drew Heatley. Hello there, Sammy. Jack Collins. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> hello, listeners. And Dom Bet. Hello, hello. How are you all doing? Yeah, all right. Good. Not a bad weekend, hey? Yeah, decent, decent. <laughs> proper decent. job, that's what it was,
2: proper, proper job. job.
1: Well, coming up in this podcast, we're going to have some transfer talk and a stack full of your questions. The post bag is brimming, but first, must do some three-word reviews of
3: the 1-0 win over Middlesbrough from Saturday. Jack? Yeah, some classics in what's here. What's coming? I liked Weekly Geekly's Injustice at Last, which is, I thought, relevant. Louis' Complete Utter Shithousery, which <laughs> is um, valid. Adam Porter came through with Pulis out pulis Which was a a good one. Um, There was a lot of those kind of Jason Reed came through with Fulham's reverse shithousery. So it's um, as one of those. But the best one by far and with 33 likes on Twitter. Oh, wow. Nick Bowman's true Hollywood ending, which I kind of am going to plunder for, or sort of plunder for this episode's title.
1: Well, I think it would be rude not to, Jack.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to change it, but it's, 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 it's You know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to mess around with. It. But we're going to use that. You're getting a hat tip rather than a via. I think here. <laughs> <yeah. laughs>
1: Well, um, just to say before we start this week's podcast, this season, Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes. Right now, Fulhamish listeners can bet £5, get £20, deposit a fiver and Ladbrokes will add another 20 quid to your account. You can get this offer by following the link at bet.fulhamish.co.uk. So, it was a huge 1-0 win for the Whites on Saturday. Oliver Norwood's 95th minute penalty, separating the two sides at the Riverside. And Drew, I'll start off with you. Yes, it was a very fortuitous win for Fulham. Middlesbrough missed a host of good chances and were denied what looks like a very clear penalty. We'll come on to that, but we don't mind one little bit. It's nice to finally get some luck.
0: It is, and I and challenge any Fulham fan to leave uh, early at any of our games this season or, or, or any of the last couple of years, to be honest. but. It's nice to have that sort of reverse where you look, you get the little, you know, if you're there, your you, limbs are everywhere. If, you, if you're not able to get to the away game, you get a little buzz and you look down and you fully expect it to say, uh, you know, Cyrus Christie or something in the British number longer in the last minute. And then you look and you see it's Ollie Norwood. It's, it's nice to have it that way around. And those are the sort of victories that you need if you want to mount a, a sustained challenge for the playoffs.
1: Dom? brilliant away day I imagine on Saturday yeah, surely it it's got to be the best one since what Newcastle I mean yeah, it's got I, to I really be the best it, one I the said season. it's the best
2: one since Newcastle I mean Sheffield United this season was up there oh, yeah, but I think Barra topped it just because of the absolute shithousery of the result it's really it just it just was we, we were dreadful especially in the first half at half time I was tempted to just go back to the pub because I was like there's no way we're getting anything out of this game like first half Middlesbrough were all over us I was like how are we basically getting dominated possession wise by a Tony Pulis side I mean I mean it was because Adam Outro was absolutely rinsing our left side of the pitch, but I think yeah, it was just nice to get one of those results because usually when we went away from home last season we didn't actually get shit house results. We were just playing teams off the park, which is nice, but give me a shit house ninety fifth minute win or over a four one win any day of the week, really, <laughs> because I think it's like probably the our last proper shit house win was probably not last season, but the season before when we beat Preston on the midweek when we really shouldn't have. Start of last season, we beat Preston two 0 and both goals were absolute nonsense. Yeah, yeah but I don't. But it wasn't like we, we 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 still should have won that game like the way we yeah, played fair, fair. that Preston game in the midweek. Actually, absolute limbs in Hong Kong when then uh, Bele puts a second away. <laughs> I mean, Jack,
1: it was one of those moments that we'll remember forever. And we and we talked about last season how the Kearney goal was a real turning point for Fulham's season. And I don't know if this is quite at that level, but definitely if this season ends up being a success or we at least get into the playoffs, we'll look back at Saturday as one of those huge moments in the season where it was two points gathered from nothing and it has hugely propelled us.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, obviously, it's not the same as Kearney's. Kearney's was a game where we dominated from start to finish and looked like we were going to absolutely like do ourselves out of three points. Um, you know, that was only a point gained, I suppose, as opposed to this is two. So in that respect, it is double significance. But I think, it's, I think it's not quite the same. What we'll look at, I think, is if we're coming back and looking at this as the turning point of our season, is we're going to look back and see Jordan Spence getting himself needlessly sent off and your man Jeff Etheridge coming through and uh, not giving Middlesbrough a penalty, and us managing to get six points out of games where we ultimately might well have got none. And, and yeah, that's a massive turning point. You know, it's not to say that, you know, currently we, we're, we're now unbelievable and we're really, really good and, and all these things. I think we need to, you know, maybe rein that in a little bit. But if, you know, it's about grinding out these kind of crap wins, if if we are going to, you know, Work our way up the table and and making sure that this happens again and and getting ourselves into the frame and we've somehow clawed ourselves back into the frame from from being reasonably far off it not not that long ago.
1: Was well, 17th in mid November now just a point uh, and a place off the playoff places. Uh, let's go to the beginning of the game once again. Tom Kearney missing from the starting lineup. He also missed the FA Cup game against Southampton. Now I think we thought for that cup game, or uh, maybe Slav's giving Kearney a bit of a rest. Um, But clearly there is something a bit more serious about this knee injury, despite us thinking, Drew, that he was over the worst of his problems.
0: Yeah, when you think about it now, it's been nearly three weeks since he's played and there's no comms from the club, which of course is their prerogative, but... You know, he is obviously so crucial to our success, so it is a worry in the background, even when we managed to, you know, pull, up, pull off the win like on the weekend. Without him, it's obvious he was missed in that game, Um so you can't really even sort of count that. Uh, it, it's a grey cloud on an uh, on
1: otherwise bright blue sky at the moment well at least we managed to get three points without Tom Kearney which hasn't happened uh, an awful lot this season now early doors Dom Ryan Cessignon really struggled with Trial Ray's raw pace I think anyone would. down the right yeah. hand side but it was it, he was in stunning form in that first half he had a bit of quality to his final ball as the as the commentator said on Saturday, he'd be playing for a team far better than Middlesbrough.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was said last season about I think statistically wise he was like the best dribbler in the league or something or some stupid stat like that. But he yeah, it wasn't that like Cessinon played bad or anything. It's just not, I don't think anyone can would would have kept out Troy. He was so, he's so quick. And his, his ball control was so good that like, I don't really think it was just had a bad game. He was just getting rinsed. But overall, in the first half, I thought our performance was very, very poor. We didn't look like we offered anything. I think the only chance I really remember was I can't remember who it was, but it was a shot on the edge of the box, first time that went about ten yards over the bar.
1: Ojo had a really tame header, which yeah, was. Yeah, there was.
2: I don't even really count that as a shot. Saved by Randolph, no. But um, it was like, uh, It might have been like Johansson or Norwood from outside the box, just on the edge of the uh, of, of the semicircle. And it was like. I didn't remember us doing much. I thought, like, I mean. I think it was Kevin McDonald. It was someone. <laughs> I don't <Kevin> remember <laughs> the goods. I mean, I, obviously, I went down after 35 minutes. And so unless <laughs> something happened in the last 10 minutes maybe after we somehow changed. But yeah, I thought we were awful. But in the second half, I wouldn't say we were that much better, really, but we just we just I think Middlesbrough tired because they should have they sh- the way they played in that first half they should have been one or two nil up and I think they just didn't have the stamina to last the entire game which isn't sort of something you associate with Tony Pulis side well
1: I guess Tony Pulis probably hasn't had that long to implement a fitness regime on this Middlesbrough side maybe if he's still here in 12 months time then it'd be a very different story uh, you mentioned uh, some of the chances that Middlesbrough missed they didn't have a shot on target in the entire game which is Quite amazing considering the amount of pressure they did apply to Fulham. Uh, Rudy Gastead missed the best opportunity of the game, you'd argue, um, certainly in the first half, and we were just struggling to deal a little bit with Middlesbrough's direct play, as we fully expected.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we 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 did have, like, Ream and Adoy at the back, who aren't obviously the biggest, especially with Adoy. Although he can jump high, he's, still never, he's always going to be getting out of muscle by a player such as Rudy Stead, who could probably out-muscle pretty much any player in his division. But I think yeah, I think in the I think first off we just didn't we were just lat It didn't look like we not knew, not knew what to do. But we weren't pushing forward for with, any, with any sort of creative intelligence or anything. The ball was just sort of going back to their defence and then coming back to us. I think I don't know what our possession was in the first off, but I can't imagine it being any sort of, any form of dominance like we usually see. Just before we come
1: on to the penalty in the second half, Jack, there were some people, well, Borough fans, and mostly that horrendous Borough fan TV channel doing the rounds, um, comparing Cessignon and Traore and saying, how is Ryan Cessignon the next big thing when Traore took the mickey out of him in the first half? Admittedly, Cessignon did have a rough tie, but why is this even a comparison? Why is this even a thing?
3: Look, it's, it's, it's nonsense. It, it comes from that kind of weird view that Cessignon's a left back, um, and it's just not. Not a thing, you know. Imagine imagine Traore playing right back, you'd be very confused. Um, but it, it, it's one of those bizarre ideas that just because a player is good at taking on a man and, you know, potentially gathering yards, it makes him a useful player. And you look at Traore's career, and big hat tip to, to Ryan O'Donovan here for his article earlier, but, you know, he's played 70 odd senior games and scored one goal in the League Cup against Notts County uh, for both Villa and Middlesbrough. And Sesniol, in far fewer games, has already accrued, you know, into double figures for goals at at the age of seventeen. Who's obviously far younger, and you know, it's it's all well and good being able to beat a man out the outside, but if your final delivery is as poor as Traores is on numerous occasions, and if your finishing is that poor, then there's no point. You you know, obviously, you know, the team is going to benefit from being taken up the up the field, but you can't. If Traore was any good at his age and with the you know with the level we've seen from him over the kind of years if if he was as good as people say he is then a bigger team would have taken a punt on him already and the fact that they haven't suggests that his final product isn't getting better and he's not really improving and yeah he can he he makes things look good and yeah he can skin a man on the outside but you know what if if he was that good someone like Watford someone like that would be in for him it's not and even if it was those teams, it's not the PSG's, Real Madrid's, Man United, Tottenham's of the world that are in for Darmotrari. Well, there's
1: a lot of um, good players in Sunday League that can skin a player or two. Yeah. You know, that have got raw pace and can knock the ball past you and run. It's, it, it, it isn't that doing, I mean,
3: that's doing him an injustice. He's better than that. but, no, he's, but, um, but in, your in, point in an stance, equivalent. Here. Yeah, no, no, of course. But, he, you know, he's he's a tricky player and he he, he does beat fullbacks, but you know one he gets away if he doesn't he doesn't seem to back it up with with any sort of delivery and two he doesn't he doesn't have a footballing brain in that he doesn't pop up in the right areas it's well you know it's all well and good you know getting the ball on the right wing and hugging the touch line but if you you know as a winger especially as a team that play with attacking wingers you need to also be in the end of the box at the, or the other side and it makes no sense to suggest that Traore who you know yes had a good first half but then tailed off really and he wasn't particularly effective in the second half. Um, to suggest that he's better, you know, better than Seston at like this age as well, it, it's, it's, it's that bloke is trying to get viral. That's that's all it is. Someone trying to trying to become a big thing on TV and uh, and miserably failing basically. Uh, let's get on to the penalty because it is the key incident of the game. We've got to talk about it. Um,
1: referee Jeff Ellingham um, decided not to award Middlesbrough a penalty after Callas clashed with Martin Braithwaite and, and appeared from first look to, to slam him to the floor I, I was waiting for the referee to blow his whistle I don't know about you Drew
0: Well you can you can make an argument that Braithwaite was all over in the beginning but it doesn't look good in real time does it and I think uh, you've seen him um, give him for a lot less to, to, to borrow the cliche uh, so I think we can probably count ourselves fairly lucky because I would imagine that 9 out of 10 refs in this division would have given that as a penalty but you know,
1: in Royal Rumble month, he was just practicing his power slams, wasn't he? It was impressive. <laughs> Someone put it to WWE commentary, and it, 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 it is unbelievable. <laughs> um, there, you do have a fair point, though. I thought that at first, Braithwaite has his hands round Kalas's shoulder, stroke neck, and is is if anything fouling him first. The fact that Kalas goes on to foul him more second, surely it's all about the first offence.
0: I just think when it when when you look at it as it happened, it's so brief the Braithwaite hand that, you know, obviously the ref should be getting that and but we're not gonna complain about it. But uh, obviously it just doesn't look great for, for Callas who, you know, is is obviously known to he's prone to one or two mistakes uh and I want to bring up Reading, even though it was a bit of a harsh one, actually. But yeah, I don't know. Overall, I think uh, Callis is sort of struggling to adapt to this this new role he's going to be playing now, where he's not necessarily going to be that first choice centre back. Um, but you know, in that in that in that incident particularly, I think he was very lucky.
1: Well, it was quite a difficult moment for him, Callis um, Dom, because he would just come on the pitch. So, and then within two or three minutes, he's caught up in a situation like that.
2: I just don't, I don't understand why it wasn't really why it wasn't given. Like, because from the other side of the pitch, I'm like he's literally just body slammed into the floor. <laughs> I don't I don't see what the ref sees that he deems it not a penalty. I'm just trying to work out. I mean, apparently the um, referee used to be a sun and scene ticket holder before he had to revoke revoke his scene ticket or give it oh. back because he became a referee. I think that's what one Barra fan was. I was like, well, I saw that. I was like, that's made my day even better.
1: I mean, he um, he's refereed the last three. Borough games that he's refereed Borough won all of them so I'd be hastened to add that I don't think he's got too much
3: whole Sunderland thing doesn't have too much impact. Also, Sunderland don't care about Borough. <laughs> exactly, because like, it's like that's absolutely nonsense. They're, they're like,
0: reaching because they're, they You know, I think it's bore out of the, the Middlesbrough fans' sort of frustration that actually they know they should have taken more of their chances and they should have they should have been the ones taking home the three points. Uh, and that's and, and you know they're lashing out because of that. And you know we'll take we'll take that all day long. We'll take the the, the decisions going our way for a change, even though you know we're we're
3: uh, measured enough to say that yeah, it did look like a pen. Look, the thing is that it's a penalty, and if it, the two penalty decisions had gone that way against us, we'd be sitting in him moaning about the referee. That said, the reason that the, the ref hasn't given the penalty isn't because he's a Sunderland fan. There's a bloke out here today, Jeff Winter, he's a premiership ref, well, former premiership referee, he's a Borough fan. We put a quote out from earlier, but I'm going to read it out because I think it's a good quote. I I have been and always will be a devoted Borough fan. It didn't stop me refereeing Sunderland, Newcastle, and Leeds games. Integrity and professionalism override supporters' bias. We lost because we couldn't score goals. You can't win games without any shots on target. i say that sounds a lot like Michael Owen, but I um, it, it's a fact. You, you can't, you can't score Collins. goals. You can't win games if you don't score goals, and that's and that's it. Like. Uh, you know, Borough, yeah, created opportunities; they didn't put them away. The reason, the reason that Borough lost is because Rudy instead couldn't finish his dinner. It's not because it's not because they weren't they were denied, a, you know, a penalty at one end and given one at another. Exactly. I think we can count ourselves lucky that it
1: wasn't given. Yeah. But there is no deep conspiracy. No. Um, talking of goals, Abubakar Kamara was given the starting berth up front. Had quite a quiet game up top. Is it a case of him being found out by a better defence?
2: I think the way he plays just didn't suit the way that Middlesbrough set up. Like, I thought Font was a lot better when he came on because mm. we needed someone who's going to hold the ball up and then bring our pacey wingers into play. Like literally, what happened when when Font and Cabano came on, our game our game changed instantly because yeah. Font could hold the ball up and then play the, the balls out wide into Cabano, which was very very successful. And that's where a lot of our chances in the latter stage of the game came. And I thought it was a game which. You needed it. it. wasn't going to be one where we we're going running in behind. We needed someone who's going to be able to hold the ball up and then play it out in a wide players. And I think Font would have been better from the start because, as I said, I thought he was very good when he came on. But yeah, I think I think Kamara is useful against certain teams, but not in a game like Middlesbrough. I thought I thought Font probably would have done a better job if he started.
0: We we, we need to accept as well, and we as we all know, our goals don't come uh, necessarily from the guys up top. They come from all over the pitch, and and although. Camera's got six goals this season, which you know is more than we, we might have necessarily thought he might have done. They've they've come in four games out of twenty five appearances, so the fact that he didn't get on the score is not a huge surprise to me. Although playing devil's advocate, he did get his first goal against Borough at home. Oh yeah, it
3: was one of those games where it, it they obviously have very experienced backline, and 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 Gibson and Ayala aren't the quickest of defenders, so they were obviously going to play deep off someone with Camera's kind of pace and strength. Uh, and if you if you look at if you look at that in conjunction, it makes, it would make sense. For therefore that camera would be kind of a bit lost between the, the, the defense and attack, especially without someone like Kearney carrying the ball into the final third um, and, and looking for that kind of through ball that maybe would set camera loose over the top. Um, so I think that, yeah, you need obviously in these kind of games and especially without Kearney in there, you need a striker that's going to come and collect the ball and, and camera isn't that, you know, he he ran around a lot up top. He, he was particularly ineffective, but I don't think you can really blame him for that. I don't think he had I don't think he had one of the worst games of his of his Fulham career and you know he tried hard he just wasn't They wasn't getting the breaks and without someone to kind of thread those balls through it makes quite a lot you know it makes quite a lot of sense that he didn't really get any opportunities and you know he toiled quite hard up front yeah font came on and did a bad job because he's able to sit into that kind of gap between defense and and attack and and sort of link up the play and then obviously I think if you'd asked any of us that beforehand we would have probably told you that from the very off um, Fulham seemed to grow in confidence towards the
1: last 15 minutes sensing that they'd got a few maybe decisions going their way Burrow obviously hadn't scored and that more than one point was on offer here and it became a bit of a battle of the substitutes for me Cabano had so much running with him and was carrying the ball You know, 30, 40 yards at a time. I thought he had a brilliant impact. Font, as Dom mentioned, was also effective. And Cesc going to left wing also caused Borough a new problem. But equally, I thought Brita Sambalonga came on and was pretty much the only outlet Uh, for Borough as it went on, and and he should have won it. Three minutes into stoppage time, uh, he gets the wrong side uh, of Tim Ream, who just didn't have the pace, really, to keep up with Asambolonga. It was a brilliant, brilliant ball. I can't remember the Middlesbrough midfielder uh, who lobbed it through to Asambolonga and then tries to lob Marcus Bessinelli. Well, he does lob Marcus Bettinelli, and it just hits the bar. And I think we must have known at that point, boy, We've ridden our luck here today and we've somehow got out of it.
0: Absolutely. You, you, you would have bet your house on that with 12 goals league, in the league already for a summer longer. And we know how dangerous he can be in, in the division. And, you know, we're not going to complain, are we? These sorts of results change the course of seasons. And, and it's just, it seemed like everything that usually we lament going against us seemed to happen the opposite way around. And that was just another example. 90
1: seconds
3: later. Also, then, hang on, one oh, just sorry. one
1: second on that point. And Marcus Bennett is in absolute no man's land. But well, he kind of comes and then realises maybe that he wasn't going to get there, so kind of just stops and is halfway, which is almost the worst thing yeah, you can 100%. do.
3: Yeah, 100%. If you're coming, then come. You know, if you're coming, you get lobbed, you know, it's bad decision-making, but at least it's, at least you've made a decision and stuck it through. Like, to get caught there with, you know, in injury time, and make a decision to, like, stop and just, therefore, give a Sombra longer all the time in the world, to be honest... Assombalonga should score. Like, you know, aside from the fact that he's one-on-one with the keeper, the fact that Bettinelli stops uh, and retreats gives him, he should should just slot it on the floor. Does does
1: Bettinelli Mm. potentially think that if I come all the way, there's a high chance I'll give away a penalty here, and Asombalonga's still got a lot of work to do. So let him have a go... Better doing that, and there's a chance it won't go in rather than a penalty, which is far more likely that it will end up in the back of the net. is I mean, obviously, it's taken me about 30 seconds to explain that, and he had about 0.3 seconds to, to rationalize
3: it. I but, think he's basically come and then been like, Whoops, I'm not going to get there, I should go back, which is the worst thing you can do as a keeper. Yes. So I'm going to say no, I'm going to say no, he didn't didn't think about it that much and and, and basically (laughs) use the maths to work out the probabilities of scoring from his. angle. But Jack,
0: how how would Button have dealt with that situation? I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: But
1: then 90 seconds later, Fulham are at the other end of the pitch. Cabano challenged fairly and Ledbitter second to the loose ball. Oliver Norwood trips in the box and we're awarded a last minute penalty. Quick round table. Was it a penalty?
2: Yeah, but my the thing the thing is, the people saying it's not a penalty. I'm like, if there's contact in the box, you're telling me a player is going to stay on their feet in the la in 95th minute of the game. But, but like, like fellow fan say it was a dive. It's not a dive, but you, it's you're like you're so you don't want your player to do something that's going to reward your team. I just thought that's it's just a ludicrous argument that he should stay on his feet because there's clear contact there, and Norwood's not going anywhere. He's going towards the byline. Why would he? possibly stay on his feet so it is a penalty it's just a soft one
1: it's also one of those kind of cheap penalties in a way where it's not a goal scoring opportunity really and you kind of get away with it because it's a foul in the box it's not a last ditch tackle and it's all gone wrong or the keep, keepers clipped him it's just a bit unfortunate from led and mistimed it but i mean it's mate. it's an amazing moment when you see the referee point at the spot it,
0: it was as light as say the callous one looked stone in a way like and I, I, I know taking all of the points we've had on board like the contact it, it seemed quite light just as the the callous one seemed quite heavy but at the end of the day you've seen them given both ways again so and it was a penalty so you can't have complaints it's, about it's
2: as light as the hazard one against arsenal it's the same hmm. it's the same kind of thing is there's minimal contact but if, if, if there's contact in the box and a player goes down it is a penalty
3: yes he's, he's he, look he, he, he's kind of bought it but you know what yeah it's led bitter it's not it's not unfortunate from their bitter it's stupid, don't lunge. He's an experienced head he's middlesbrough captain he you know he he should know better than to lunge in at someone in the last minute of a game. It doesn't matter that he makes very minimal contact if he touches Norwood, no one goes down and 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 if Norwood hadn't gone down, I would have been furious with him like, As in of course, you go down there in the last minute and and anyone saying that that's not a penalty is bitter and it's it's a penalty, and we've had them given against us, and we've been like. Yeah, it's soft, but it's a penalty. Is I it? mean, you yeah. could have seen a situation where, not that he'd have
1: admitted it, but where the referee tried to even out his bad decision from earlier and didn't give it to us. That could have very yeah. well been and a And if the ref
3: hadn't given a penalty, we would have been upset, but we would have been no more upset than the Middlesbrough fans are about their one at the other end. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It would, If the game had ended nil-nil and they hadn't given that penalty, then it would have been kind of even Stevens. The only reason that people are upset is because one was given and the other wasn't. And they were probably, you know, there was there was obviously legitimate claims of penalties from both ends yeah and the fact that one is given and the other isn't is where it becomes upsettingly unfair but you know what these things happen these things even out and, and and we've been on the end of so much bad luck especially you know you look back at at side, and when we were given a penalty against edwin van der saar against hasselbank outside the box was tripped and the ref mm-hmm. gave a penalty when we were on course for a very very um back in the day a rare away win mm-hmm. under chris Coleman. Uh, And so, you know what, it might take a couple of years, but things even out. Well, and also, you think back to this season, and we're going to mention it on the Extra
1: podcast, um, the Burton penalty that was given um, Madfadzin on um, Kevin MacDonald. You think back to Sessignon not being given the penalty against Derby County and what was pretty much a stonewall. And although it didn't cost us points, Cardiff against Johansson. There's, There's three terrible penalty decisions that have not gone our way this season, so if we're going to get one i'm not losing any sleep over it no. um confident penalty from norwoods i I do you know what it's nice to have a nice to have a player who's taking a penalty and I'm not watching through my fingers knowing that he's going to miss it i'm not saying that norwood's going to score every single penalty he ever takes for Fulham, but I know that a bit like when Fulham used to be under Danny Murphy he's going to score most mm. of them well it's
0: nice to see that his confidence wasn't knocked from the 90 minute horror reel that was Southampton at home in the FA cup <laughs> he obviously uh, he obviously wasn't affected too much by that so uh, hats off to him and it's as you say it's nice to uh, to have a little bit more confidence when the ref blows and points to a spot for a change
1: um, upcoming four games Burton Barnsley Forest Bolton we're now a points and a place or two places off the playoffs now. How crucial are those games? Surely if Fulham are serious about this, especially with the run of games that's after that, it's weird how our season has fallen. Um, We've got to be looking at double figures.
2: Oh yeah, 10 minimum, I'd say. If, if, if 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 we're realistic about challenging promotion this season, it's 10 minimum because... But the thing is, we, all, we you seem to always play better and get better results against the better sides anyway. So mm. we seem to always bottle it and choke up against these small sides, or not small sides, but teams struggling down at the bottom of the table. Then we come to play the big boys, and we apart from when we played Wolves at Molyneux obviously we seem to be doing quite well. But yeah, it has to be minimum of 10 points. I think, And the reverse fixtures is 7.
1: So that's got to be an improvement from Fulham.
0: Yeah, uh, 10 points I think would, would have us in the zone, obviously. Uh, uh, probably the way it's so congested at the moment from... Uh, up that end it would get us comfortably in the playoff places I think by that point going into the last sort of 14 games and and I don't see any reason why we can't do that. We we've been going under the radar. We know what's been going on, but nobody else has really noticed it. And if you look at it, we've taken 23 points from 12 since the beginning of November.
3: So 23 from, oh, 23 from 12 games.
0: 12 games, oh, right, yes, yeah. from the, begin- since I was the gonna beginning since the
3: beginning of November. That's a good rate 23 points from the
0: possible <laughs> maximum of 12. <laughs> As I imagine, I'm re- I'm fake news, sorry, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. it's not it, this isn't uh, sort of a a quick thing. This is this is a slow build up and we're coming into form at the right time. So I i don't see why we can't be gunning
2: for 10 it's not fake
3: news it's just alternative fact. <laughs> <laughs> i think it's um it's very important now because what we've done over the last couple of couple of weeks yeah we've got ourselves back in the picture we've got ourselves back in the picture without necessarily actually playing particularly well and i, I still don't necessarily think the squad is is fully strong enough to to be well i don't think that the best is being got out of this squad to suggest that we are now playing at our full potential um and you know jordan graham 's obviously gone back today, which frees up a lone spot which is which is going to be interesting over the next couple of couple of days you 'd imagine but it 's one of those where I think that we need to be in the playoff places and 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 not looking to try and catch up as i don't think we 've got the squad depth, and i don't think we 've got the kind of you know, at this at this point last year, on Blue Monday last year, we would just done Barnsley two nil at the Cottage, and it was one of the most assured performances I've ever seen from Fulham. We absolutely dominated the game from start to finish, and I don't think, obviously, this is a completely different result, and it's not a it's not a Fulham coming home from the from Middlesbrough having absolutely like battered them into submission. And we've gone above Middlesbrough, yeah, but on another day, you know and another day Middlesbrough could have won that game and we'd now be four points behind. Well, yeah,
2: because if they won that game, they would have been five points clear of us.
3: Precisely. So it's one of those things where we're in a good position now and we need to be you know, grateful and we need to now take advantage of that and push ourselves forward. And if we can get a good run of results going now, then there's no reason we can't come into those games against the big boys on a good run of form and then try and take the game to them rather than worrying about trying to catch them up again.
1: And be in a position that you have to let points go rather than chasing all the time.
3: Well, that's it. You know, if you go to Derby County on the 3rd of March, for example, we go to Pride Park on the 3rd of March, and we're, what, five points behind them, six points behind them, and we can close that gap to three with an away win, suddenly all the pressure's there. And I'm not suggesting that we're suddenly going to get second. That was suggesting that for that to happen, Derby would have to drop points. I think, we're well, ten points behind? Yeah, ten points behind now. So like, yeah. if we gained
2: four points on them, for example, over the next four games, which is possible... We just won't beat Derby at Pride Park because we just don't win at Pride Park. Yeah, but like. we don't win at the Riverside either. I know, but I just... But, but, but I don't mind Middlesbrough Way. but Derby Ways is just always shit. It's, <laughs> it's never been good. Yeah, okay,
3: fair uh, enough. But uh, it's, it's more like if we, you know, if we can catch ground on them mm-hmm. and then the pressure's on them, not on us. And I think the, the, it's, it's there in black and white. There's more opportunities at this
0: season than there were last season. Like in terms of the congestion at, at, from, uh, what is it, like 10th to, to 6th, all of these sort of uh, eventualities like there's so many different ways we can get into the playoffs now as before it was like we needed leads to to fall apart so I think it's there this season it's there for the taking more so and it's a scary thought to think that you know we're we're doing this without playing to our full potential
1: well we're going to talk about some transfers next uh, who might be coming in and who may potentially be going out uh, later this month that's all coming up after this hello Sammy here how's it going Normally in this bit of the podcast we have a sponsor message, often selling very posh craft beer. But we'd like to find some new sponsors for 2018 and we thought we might put the message out there. We need a sponsor so that we can pay the bills, stuff like the website, buying equipment, and buying ourselves enough beer that numbs the pain of Jack's incessant ranting. If you've got a business and you'd like to advertise to the thousands of Fulham fans that listen to this show every week, give us an email, pod at fulhamish.co.uk. We can have a chat and see what we can do for you. That's pod at fulhamish.co.uk. Drop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James, joined by Jack Collins, yep. Drew Heatley and Don Betts as well. So on this week's Fulhamish Extra, which is going to be available to download Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, we're going to be previewing the Burton Albion game, which is this Saturday as we return to the Cottage Plus. We're going to be chatting to George from Not The Top 20 Podcasts, uh, our mates over there, a fellow award nominated podcast. The lads. And... Uh, just getting their opinion, really, on uh, Fulham season and the rest of the championship as a whole. Those boys are so knowledgeable. I'm sure you might have heard them on this podcast before, so it's going to be a great chat. Uh, so make sure you download the Fulhamish Extra this Wednesday and Thursday. And while you're there on iTunes, if you could leave us a little review as well, five stars preferably, that would be much appreciated. Right, transfer talk. We're still, we're exactly halfway through the city season of the Jan- January transfer window. And there's been limited news over the past five, six days. Most of it uh, to do with potential players leaving Fulham rather than coming into Fulham, which is not really uh, what we want to be here. In the main story, though, Tony Khan coming out to clarify that Ryan Sessegnon is not for sale, this transfer window. Now, I'm not sure any of us really thought this was going to happen, but I guess... Nice to get it in writing.
0: Yeah, it's 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 lovely to hear from from uh Big Tone. Um I would say that um It's like it, the, that's a character from The
2: Simpsons, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man,
0: <man-like tone. laughs> um if if Seth was to go in summer, fine. Uh I don't and if we didn't go up, then I don't think anyone would begrudge that. Um but it's nice for him to come out and say that he's not be he's not gonna be leaving uh this January. I think the main thing with Seth is is if if and when he does go that we make sure that we get a good deal for him because you know, we're we're not the ones. It's not our purse strings that we're we're. we're it's not our uh, money. You know, we shouldn't really care about it, but you know, it matters in this division. And the four hundred thousand k for Dembele still rankles. Um, so, you know, if and when Ryan does leave, we want to make sure that we get the right amount of money in that he's worth, especially in this in this market at the moment.
1: Um, from one Ryan to another, and one flank to another, Ryan Fredericks uh, has been linked with numerous clubs, uh, including Swansea and Stoke. And there was a period. About halfway through last week, Jack, where it looked like the Swansea deal was very much on. Seems to have now gone to the back burner. And it sounds like there's some progress on contract talks, which I guess is good news. I know there's a bit of debate as well. Would it be that big a miss if we if we lost Ryan Fredericks? But I feel like at this stage of the season, we don't want to be chopping and changing too much. He, he is a key player. He obviously has his faults. but He has a lot of strengths as well. I think it, had we sold him or if we sell him, it would not be the right decision, not in my
3: opinion, yeah, right now definitely not. I think you know there are there are many qualms that many people have with Ryan Fredericks, and rightly so. You know, for someone who creates so many opportunities, his his final ball and his delivery is is somewhat questionable, to to put it politely. Um, but that said, he's a, an extremely useful attacking outlet down the right hand side, and for a team like Fulham, who's Kind of strength comes from overlapping fullbacks, especially fullbacks who are willing to take on the defender out the outside. You know, we've said before that Frederick's his push and run would probably be quite found out quite quickly in the Premier League. But you know what? He he works hard most games, and he you know I sound I sound very yadar there, but he. um <laughs> you know he he does put in a shift and he is you know he is a useful outlet and he always does seem to to provide to offer the overlap if not it if not it's always used to its you know fullest potential or so but you know what i, I think right now at this point in the season we'd be doing we'd be struggling if we if we lost fredericks especially without a a very obvious option to cover him at right back it would involve dennis adoy potentially switching to right back and and then and then after that you know then you've got Session on backer left back which as we all know is not necessarily the best option for for every game and and I think it just puts a bit of the cat amongst the pigeons especially in a back four that needs strengthening not not um, not to lose components basically and you're a bit
1: more ITK than I am. It doesn't sound like it's on for now, though, does it?
3: Uh, I've heard nothing since since last week, so I would imagine that, especially with you know Carverhouse seems to have turned his attentions to other players, and I think that Swansea have been linked to a number of right backs this week. So it does look like it's kind of off for now. And breaking off the uh, hot off the press,
1: Dom is uh, Kerney with a £12 million bid from West Bromwich Albion. Well, £12 million is what's being banned about officially. It's just that West Brom have made a bid for Kearney. I mean, we turned down £20 million for him in the summer, reportedly. Why would we accept £12 million now? It seems like a bit of a nonsense story. I
2: think it is. I think it's a load of rubbish. Because... You know, why would he go to a team that look like they're destined to get relegated? But why would Fulham accept the bid? More to the point. Yeah, no, that's what I mean, that, that we wouldn't accept anything. I think in the because it's January transfer window. I think the minimum we'd expect would be 25, just because the stage of the season is that and how critical it is to the way we play. It's a get, premium as well in this window. I mean, exactly. Yeah. In. So in I'd, in the summer, if someone bidded 20 million, I wouldn't be surprised if we accepted it because it's. He, he, I'm not saying he's he's getting past it by any stretch of imagination, but he's, he would be like 27, I think. 20, he's like 20. Was he 26 at the moment? 26. 26 I think, yeah, yeah, so he'd be turning. Oh, like... Bodes well for my 26th birthday next week. <laughs> ah.
3: You'll past it, in all, almost. Yeah. yeah, but no, I just <laughs> get, I, I,
2: get I think I think we won't. We, there's no point selling your key player in the January transfer window. I think I know could... Liverpool have just done it but is there that's any? Not the
1: point. Is there any? I'm, I'm completely hypothesising here, but if. Is it a case of it is, we do a Jimmy Bullard? Is his knee problem a lot more serious than first thought, and they think cash in now while while the stocks high? I mean, that is a
3: complete um, conspiracy Conjecture, theory. Yeah. But no, as in as in, if his knee problem is that bad, and it, and you know, it does that's not that's not ruling that out. I don't think that's the weirdest thing in the world. But I still don't think his stock would be that low by the summer. Uh, I still think you'd get. Twenty odd million for him in the summer. If you if you didn't say, yeah, if someone came in with a ridiculous offer now, then then we'd be having a different conversation. But you know, I've I've seen plenty of sources online saying that there's actually been no bid. So you know, while the Mirror have come through with their exclusive knowledge. Sky oh, Sports oh, understands. Well, no, as in, as in, get West London and Ryan have said that there were. He's been told by sources at the club that no bid has been received, and Fulham remain keen to see no first team players leaving. And and it's one thing a bid coming in, and there's another thing them going, oh yeah, maybe we'll bid for that Kearney fella, uh, you know. But if they if they bid for him right now, the fact that he can't get on the pitch suggests he wouldn't pass a medical. Hmm. It comes down from a broader perspective. It all comes down to value,
0: and there is no value in the transfer window in January. You've seen it in the Premier League with. With uh, Van Dyke, you know, the the Coutinho deal, would he have gone for that much in the summer? Probably not. Probably. He's well good. He is well good. But But
1: also, wasn't Van Dyke linked for 75 million in the summer? Or was it 75?
0: I mean that's a uh, th-
1: for me th- name a, name a transfer Regardless a- it is an inflated time yeah, for right, I right, think right. those two transfers are exceptions because they were pretty much done in the summer hmm. it's just happened to be that they've been finalised in January because they couldn't be done in time almost
0: You will struggle to find a club that's had a stellar January transfer window ours off the top of my head I would say was a decade ago when uh, Roy brought in Angerland and and we we uh, went on to do the Great Escape I can't, I can't remember a January since then that we did did good business did Nevlin come in then as well Nevlin came in yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we also
1: had leon andreason good player yeah yeah, yeah good right. hair good hair <laughs> wasn't he bald <laughs> yeah i thought he was bald. <laughs> <laughs> that was the joke i think that oh. was the joke <laughs> yeah it went straight over my head but uh y- like his hair <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> it, it's just it's just a nonsense time of the year for me and i i, I if i could scrap it all together i would but uh I, I don't expect anyone to leave uh this window be it Kenny or Seth. Jordan um, Graham has just left.
1: Oh yes. That's sad. I mean quick note word on Jordan Graham from you Jack because I think you seem to have quite a, an affiliation to him you mentioned him a lot on, on recent podcasts it's yeah. a shame it hasn't worked out uh, he just seemed like Slav picked him in games where there was no hope of him doing anything
3: yeah no he, he got something like a total of 33 minutes in the first team or something and some of those were at Burton away Sunderland away and Brentford away I think he got one home like appearance of, of, all, of all of them and you know what? He he's been playing in the twenty. He's he's gone down. He's played in the twenty threes. With you know, and 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 fair enough, done a job. And by by all accounts, and by the accounts of of the, watching the games, and and by the people who you know, tweet from the club, and that he's done really well for the twenty threes. He's been creating. He's been scoring. He's he's done almost all that I think he could do without being given a chance to do anything in the first team. And you know what? Good luck to him. As far as I'm concerned, I I, I don't think that. We're sitting here going, you know, I, I just wish he'd been given more of a chance in the first team. And, you know, we don't know what happens behind the scenes. We don't know what, you know, his attitude was like in training. And, you know, we know that Slav's a stickler for kind of discipline and that. And that's why Johan Moller's obviously been, you know, excluded from the first team and, and that. But Graham did get on the bench and in Slav's squad, which suggests that... You know, there was maybe something, but he just didn't seem to get a chance to, to, to grasp anything. And I, and I feel sorry for him more than anything else, really.
1: I know on this podcast, we do love to say, I told you so, more than anything. But it does all heart back down to August transfer window. And we're looking at the signings that came in. And we all said, how many wingers do we have? Why do we need so many wingers? And the whole Jordan Graham and Johan Mollo signings seemed bizarre at the time when you were thinking, how are they going to fit into this squad? But I remember us saying, or maybe there's some sort of
3: plan or maybe they're an upgrade on what we have. But ultimately, we just have too many wingers. Yeah, but basically, you know, you look at that and you think there was a period at one point where Piazon, Ojo, Aite were all injured Mm -hmm. Cessna was playing left-back at that point because they hadn't been moved up there. So see, There were opportunities, you know, there were games where we played playing Rui really Font on the left wing and camera through the middle. There have been games where we played camera on the right wing. It, it's not like there haven't been any opportunities for wingers to get a game in the squad. And, you know, Slav obviously took a dislike to Jordan Graham for for some reason or other, and, and that's why he hasn't played. And, you know, what? Well, I think he's a talented player, and, you know, maybe he's a bit bit stroppy and maybe he doesn't have, you know, the greatest attitude. But... You know the people seem to, Ryan Fredericks, for example, seem to like him loads, and they seem to get on really well. And Kevin McDonald was the one who apparently had a words in bringing him in and making him come to Fulham. So there are obviously people in the squad who who think that Jordan Graham is a good bloke. Might uh, not trust Kevin
1: McDonald's advice again.
3: Yeah, well, don't yeah. trust his taste in suits either.
1: But
0: what I would say as well is Jordan Graham. He's gonna he's gonna been uh, he's not an idiot. He's not he would have had offers elsewhere in the championship as well for loans. I would imagine. So he's obviously been told something that he's gonna have chances at the club so something's happened after that it's not something that that you know he would have known about so who knows it's all conjecture but it is an absolute shame because you know we do have a wealth of talent in that area but there are certainly occasions that he could have been a, a, a really good option and I don't mean Brentford or Burton away or, or Sunderland away or the, they were all tough arse that he was asked to sort of try and cope with uh, so it's It's just echoing what Jack says, really. It's a shame. Good luck to him.
1: OK, well, I think that's enough on transfers for now. There has been a few little rumours about players coming in. There's no update on Matt Target, which is obviously still uh, a key target, excuse the pun, uh, for Fulham this transfer window. There was some conjecture about Nelson Oliveira. Be a uh, great
3: signing that. I uh, don't think it'll happen. I think it's very much conjecture, but that would be an absolutely wonderful signing.
1: Um, linked with a £10 million move. Seems unlikely, but as is you, Jack, I would I would love it. But other than that, not too much really to report on. So I feel like any time dwelling on it now is a little bit of wasted time, especially Jack, when there is so much in the post
3: bag. There's no way we're gonna get it through at all. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of good questions. We've got some some interesting ones. The first one I'm actually going to go to a transfer window question. This has come in less than a minute ago. This is this is fresh off the press. Oh my God. From Steve Lydiard, and I wanted I want to direct this at Domo and Dom, Dom Betts' first dance. First thing that comes to your head he says, "Question: One point five million for Cameron Jerome, and we don't bother. Why?
2: No. <laughs> Why would you want Cameron Jerome? I don't. I don't see what he offers that we don't currently have in the squad now. I mean, isn't he just like an experienced Callie Woodrow?
3: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I. I agree with you. I, uh, what? A sp- what praise? I, I. I. Yeah, it's a beard one. Drew, would you? Would you one point
0: five million pounds on Cameron Jerome? No, I wouldn't. I think there's much, there's no value in the January transfer window, but there's more value than that elsewhere. I'd imagine. No, I mean, no. I, th- I think it's, it's throwing I
1: think it's away nonsense. money. Uh, even on a, even on a free, I'd be a bit, I'd be a bit underwhelmed.
3: That's it. It's just I don't understand what what Cameron Jerome would bring to a squad. He's not fast. He's not particularly good at holding up the ball. You know, yeah, he scored some goals at this level when he was three years younger, but he hasn't been playing. You know, he hasn't been scoring in a hot scoring form for Norwich. It's not like, and they're below us in the league. Uh, I, I don't understand what he'd bring to the squad. I don't believe. I don't see why Cameron Jerome is even being sort of bandied around as a kind of a kind of person. I think that there That's are we have yeah, well, there are loads. Of, there are loads of strikers about, and and right. and loads of them cost one point five million pounds. And I, just, I don't think Cameron Jerome's the best best value of the lot. But it's a um, it's something that keeps coming up. So, I mean, it's something we have to probably keep an eye on because there seems to be this kind of idea that Cameron Jerome is going to be a Fulham player. And it's I, like I don't Jason know why is. though, isn't it?
0: And, and also, 1.5 million in this market, that screams... It's, you know, thats like having for 500k. Come on, please, take him off us. Uh, you
3: know, alarm bells ringing there anyway. All right, I'm going to move quickly on because we have loads. Uh, Jack Kelly, friend of the pod, um, he says, over the next four fixtures, if we get into the top six, do you think we can maintain it for the rest of the season and climb up? Or do you think we'll be yo-yoing in and out of the playoff places? I'll start with you this time, Drew. I think,
0: uh, it you know, it, confidence breeds confidence. I think if we get in there, and it'll be really interesting, it'll be a different dynamic to last season, because if we get in there, we're going to be getting in there a lot earlier than we did uh, last season. But I, I firmly believe that once we're in, we're in.
1: Yeah. I was thinking about this quite a lot over the weekend. It's just so interesting how our fixtures have fallen and you can't even predict this at the beginning of the season. Like when you if you're in the Premier League, you know who the big 7 clubs are going to be. So you know who's going to be at the top of the league barring one or two exceptions. And you know roughly who's going to be at the bottom. With the Championship you just cannot you cannot predict it. You'd have said our, our start this season would have been a hard start. And actually, that including Reading and Sheffield Wednesday, who, as the table turns out, wasn't actually that hard a start. Anyway, I'll get to my point. There's four games coming up. Let's say we do, we do take 20, a lot of 10 points. points. Let's say we take 10 points. We're going to be fourth or fifth with that amount of points, I think, if we take that. It's just going to be so interesting to see how Fulham cope then with four ludicrously hard games in a row from that. Will the fact that we're in there and the pressure is off help Fulham or hinder Fulham? It's it's a position that Fulham haven't been in at all ever since coming down to the championship, where we've had other teams chasing us. We've always been chasing or fighting relegation. So it will be fascinating to see how Fulham adapt to the position of having all lots of other teams below us yapping at your feet every time that you get pick up a draw or a loss, worrying, uh, are we going to get overtaken? I, I have no answer as to how that's going to happen. But if it does end up that we take a lot of points from the next few games, it will be very interesting.
3: All right. Here's one, this is from Adam Porter. He says, do you think the lack of second balls that Fulham win is a problem? And do you see the importance of winning second balls
2: with our kind of style? There's always, you always need to win the second balls. You just, like, it's not going to be, you always want, you don't want to have the ball as much as we can and that's the way we play. But I think we, every time the ball comes up in the air and it bounces down, our players don't have the urgency, I think, to rush onto it sometimes. And we just let the opposition regain possession, which, if we challenge more, we might win more, but I don't think it's a issue affecting our style of play. I think the way we played it we're not it's not drilled into the players that winning the second balls is a massive priority. I think they expect they don't expect that for there to be a second ball, they expect we will win the first ball and we'll retain possession that way. But if we did win more second balls, we might create more chances but yeah, I don't think it's a huge issue with the start of play.
3: So the next question is from Sam Lockhart. He says, who would be your three centre midfielders if everyone is fit to start against Burton? Just answers, please. No no explanations. Um, Obvious for me. Steph, Joe,
1: K, Mac, Kenny. I don't think there's any debate, despite the penalty. Sorry, Norwood.
3: True.
0: Same. Uh, I just hope that nobody tries to kick 10 lumps out of Kearney in minute five.
2: Dom? K, Mac, Norwood, Kearney. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd go with you. I'm, I'd be
3: tempted to drop Stefan. I don't think Norwood had a particularly good game at, at the weekend. And I also do think he's better in the K-Mac role you know, from deep, kind of launching that kind of quarterback attack. But I just think Steph needs maybe a break uh, and just some, some time off to, to have some, some time with his friends maybe and- just Virgil Big Virgil we just go and spend some time with Virgil on the tra- treatment deck at Anfield then maybe we'd all come back with a couple of better players you know me I love Steph I'm the resident Steph and Johansson fanboy as my biography says on the Fulhamish website but he just he just isn't he's not right I don't know what's up with him he's not right and uh, we, we could well I do know what's up with him he's injured but he Needs some some time off, I think, and maybe just a week off. If you know, if we're not going to deal with his injury, then we may as well just we should probably manage it slightly better. I think.
1: Back on the similar vein, if T C still isn't a hundred percent though, I still think Fulham have got enough in the tank to beat Burton without Tom Kearney. And if it means that he needs another week off,
3: I'd give him a rest for Burton. Yeah, give Luca De La Torre a run in the ten, or actually give Lucas Piazon a run in the ten. Yeah, hey, Lucas Piazon was very, very, very absent. For the entire game on Saturday, yeah, he was, and uh, I, I just feel like he's just much better in the centre of the park. Yeah, he is. I'd love to see that. Maybe that's what I'd go with. Then I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to recall. I'm going to say I'd go with TC Piazon and Tame and K Mac if they're all fit. It's a bit of a different
1: question when you actually think just for the Burton game. If it was like going forward, that is actually the question. Yeah, I know. I think I think we were. I was too much focused on just picking our strongest three. But actually, when you break it down, it's a bit more of a tricky question.
3: All right, we keep going. Uh, Joe, FFC Joe, he says, do you think Kevin McDonald should be the official club captain rather than Kenny's understudy? Sammy?
1: We had this last season. I think he is the more natural... No, we
3: didn't. Scott Parker was the captain last Sorry, season.
1: Sorry, we, we definitely had this, though. We I mean, know we did have this last season. I
3: think it was only couple... this season, wasn't
1: it? It was, the, ca- it was the case that yeah, Scott was the club captain but he wasn't playing. Therefore Kearney shouldn't have been the team captain. It should have been Kevin McDonald. We definitely had this last season. But regardless, I think we all agreed and I still believe that K is the more natural leader, but Kearney's the captain and what's the point in changing
3: it now? Yeah, they're, I don't think you could change it. it. It'd be weird.
1: I think K-Mac is the more natural leader, but also I do like Tom Kearney as captain. He, he he inspires the team. He is the one that can grab the ball by the scruff of the neck and change games, and, and it seems to fit with him being captain, and he's grown into the role.
0: Yeah, it's like when we had Louis boas captain back in the day. You, you, get, you get the natural leaders, but then you get the players who lift the team on the pitch, and, and they're both valid choices for
3: captain. Fair enough, we'll keep going. Um, There is one, another one about K-Mac, just from Tom Osborne. He says loads of rumours about K-Mac in the summer, more last week, although they've died down now. Uh, Is he an unsettled player or just an indication of how good he is, Drew? It's just an
0: indication of how good he is. Uh, You you never hear any sort of rustlings from him on his... Odd Instagram handle or anything like that.
1: <laughs> what is it now? Oh,
2: there, facts, facts not fiction. Is
0: it still right? facts no, not no, fiction? No, it's Fair, definitely
3: fairies yeah. and unicorns underscore three.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's never made any uh, any sort of noises like that, and and he doesn't show any sort of di- uh, lack of commitment on the pitch. He's just, I yeah. think sometimes players are really good, and other teams want to buy him.
2: The only thing he ever did wrong is when he denied to play a game of pool in Poland in pre-season. With me, <laughs> and my mate. No, oh, yeah, no, I mean it's so two v two. Me, is... me and Ash versus Steph, Joe, and Kay, I I can't see why you would have done that. Sell him. He yeah said sell was, him he, sell him immediately um, he did
1: have a he did a really good interview by the way with b b c london uh, after the game on Saturday, so well worth listening to. He's just such a measured speaker and speaks really well and accent. it's just a just a good listen give it a listen,
3: yeah uh, okay, this one from uh, Lawrence Peterman. he says if we could strengthen the squad in only one position, what would that be? He says he would like to although we need to look at strengthening the defense, it is goals that win matches, and I think an old fashioned big striker who can lead the line although not
2: Chris Martin. so Matt Smith. Get him, get him <laughs> involved. Yeah. Smith back. Smith Smith, Smith back? and Burn back, you know, after his five clean sheets and winning player them up. No. I can't believe I haven't gone with Matt back there. That was. That
1: um, was what poor. would you go with, Jack? Answer the question. Oh, centre back. No, so
2: as in, it is a centre back. Answer is a centre back. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: My only thing would be a left back because I think that doy provides the cover at centre back, and that.
3: But
2: we don't need someone to provide
3: cover. We need someone who's starting. Yeah, I'd buy a starting centre back if I could buy play one player, and that would be that. I would. Be, I would also like a striker, but beggars and choosers, as 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 they say. So I, I I'd go that. I think that. I'd buy, I'd buy a keeper before a striker. Yeah, no, I, I'm. I'm actually quite on board with that as well. That's um. That's good. Talking of keepers, this one's from Leicester Wyatt. He says, "Is it a strange coincidence that last season and now our, our best and this season?" Our best sequence of results has come after the dropping of David Button.
2: Can we please just not talk about this? this can't be. No,
3: nice. but in fairness, as in I, I, you know that you know we I, well, our kind of point on this is that our, our kind of line, I suppose, on the podcast is that we think Benelli and Button are pretty much exactly the same. That's our that's one's our,
2: ball. One's got air.
3: That's the that's that's it. But you know, it, it is actually now becoming a bit of a thing that our best performances have come with Ma- Marcus Benelli and goal. I don't think that makes him a better keeper. No, but, I, 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 but I it's think it's a point. I think I think it's just coincidence, really. I don't. But think. I mean, it
1: is one hell of a coincidence. Literally, the best form of last season came as soon as you put Marcus Bersinelli into the side. The best form of this season, as soon as you put Marcus Bersnelli into the side, it is a coincidence. Of course, there's more that's happened in those games than just Marcus pulling off save after save. But it is weird.
0: And when we're doing well, you know the old fist fist pumping, badge tapping, it you know it goes down well, and I'm quite happy to see it when we're when we're taking you know ten points from twelve or, or or more. So you know, happy days. I think we we don't need to analyse it too much because we've already we, we've already said it. But you know, there's nothing wrong with having bets in the side when we're doing well and and everyone happy with that. Okay, there's
3: two two more questions. One's a Dom bet special. This is literally only for Dom. Alan Rudd says, any more chance of a more dumb bets podcast recommendations, as they are far better than Bose's ones.
2: Ah, uh, podcast recommendations. Oh, where do I begin? Oh, <laughs> where were you last time? True crime. Yeah. So, are we going for football ones or non-football ones? <laughs> no, I think ones? Non-football, non-football ones. Football. The only football one that matters. Um, is You're on it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my favourite non-football one is the Midnight Hour. Very, very good podcast by Elden Nero. Ninety. What was it about? He just to expand a bit more. Than he, that, just, he just he just he talks. He talks up here with uh, every subject. He's over hundred ep- episodes in now. Um, he 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 does like other stuff. He talk, he's like, I think his most recent one was like reviewing the latest Star Wars film, but in depth, like over an hour long. Uh, another good one is Weird Review, which is done by two American people. That's quite that's quite good. But then yeah, they're probably my two favourite. All right, good Drew set. Drew's
3: a big podcast man. True, John. I mean, in fairness, mate, Alan might switch to you after your <laughs> recommendation. So uh, it's, it's now a competition for Alan's sentiments.
0: All right. Okay. So off the top, of my head, it's like it's like echoing what Dom said. Some of the sort of more general interest ones are the ones that you can really get lost in. So I'm a big fan of Luke and Pete show, uh, and I also like. Uh, so there's an old wrestler called Chris Jericho who does a lot of general interest sort of pods. Uh, uh, his podcast is called
3: Talk Is Jericho, and also a very good uh, listen whether you're a fan of wrestling or not. Good, excellent. That was a that was a nice one, Alan. Get listening, in, get back to in touch, and and find out what we are uh, today. There's been a, a host of clubs in the championship linked to Marcus Edwards of Tottenham, known uh, colloquially around White Hart Lane as the Mini Messi, um, and he's very, very highly highly rated. Justin Evans has asked, would we take Ed Edwards from Spurs on loan as a Kearney Junior?
2: If he if he replicates his form, like he did on FM16 for me, and be <laughs> in my Dresden save, then scored 15 goals in six months. From centre midfield, so sign him up. Sign him up. Okay. Get him on. Get him on the
3: plane. I think this is a really. This would be a really, you know, really we'll shrewd him. move from Fulham to bring in to bring in Marcus Edwards, especially if Kenny's knee injury is is continually bad. I think that we could do far worse than bringing in someone of Marcus Edwards' ability. Uh, the last thing we did, we got this from Chris Frank uh, on Facebook. Chris is our resident uh, Shea Ojo stat updater, and he always tells us the thing about the the Ojo Mojo at Fulham, and it it's, it is actually a thing. This. Um, and he he's given us the updated stats on on when Ojo plays and when he doesn't. When Ojo has played for Fulham, played 16, won 11, drawn two, lost three, thirty five points. Uh, when he doesn't, played eleven one naught, drawn seven, lost four points seven. Just is is nuts. But I think he's put it in a in a in a kind of wider context, which is this. Um, it is basically what of our inward loans have been most successful and who's like successfully raised their profile, reputation and value compared to who hasn't. He says he thinks loans for, for Fulham have gone brilliantly for Ojo, good for Norwood, okay for Callas, bad for Graham and a disaster for Suarez, probably a pretty bad for Piazon too this season due to his injury. Um, we'll take on that, thoughts on that. I think it's an interesting concept.
0: He's really interesting in terms of Callas. It's like, uh, you know, when do you stick or twist? Like At the end of last season, was, you know, sky high, but now it's it's changed a lot.
1: So I don't know, it's interesting. I don't think it's good for, for Callas. Okay, yes, he's played okay for us. That's because he's got a high level. He but... said okay for Callas. In oh, okay, but still I think it's been a bit of a disaster. I think the point that you raised a few weeks ago about how two seasons ago he thought he might be Chelsea's next centre-back and now he doesn't even know... He he has no he probably has no idea where his future lies. I think it's not a very easy time for Thomas Callas. I mean the stats with Ojo are amazing, but basically he was out for six games and we didn't win any of them between the QPR win and then he came back for Sheffield United or maybe or Millwall Sheffield United, Sheffield United and then the form started well again there. So I do I mean that six games was a tough period for Fulham anyway, and I don't know how much difference he'd have made, but. Yeah, it, it, a bit like the Bessinelli thing. There's something
2: about Ojo. Mm-hmm. Again, it could just be another coincidence, but I think with Ojo, it's different because he's an attacking player and he's going to affect the game a lot more. And but but to be fair, before his injury, I thought he was Pony. I thought, yeah, no, I, I, agree. I agree. It it, it, it his absence made
0: the heart grow fonder. I don't know whether he changed when he got back, but before, I remember the QPR game when he went down injured. I was never want to see anyone get injured, but I was like, well, get him off. And hmm. I, I hold my hands up now and say, well, he's been brilliant since he's come back.
3: Good. Well, and that actually probably wraps up the post. by thank you, Chris, for those stats, um, and please do keep them updated. They are uh, they are hella interesting. So I can't I, um, wait. I can't wait till like the February update. It's yeah, like... but in fairness, it's going it's getting to the point now where Ojo plays loads now. It's gonna it's gonna dwarf the statistics as such. But it's um, it's still obviously interesting to think about Shea Yojo's impact. So
1: any any if he wants to do some Marcus Bestinelli stats on a similar vein,
3: yeah, I think we know. I think we know them. I've actually got a piece coming on this. Okay. I've written a piece on on Marcus Bernelli's stats against David Buttons, and they're 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 coming at you. And so I our resident previews writer, George Singer, has come through with some more stats. So we uh, he's written one piece this week, and I'm going to follow it up next week. So there's lots on Bettinelli Button debate coming on Fulhamish.co.uk cannot wait for that the Collins column is going to be hitting your timeline it's not a Collins column this is a feature Oh, (laughs) you can get a double Collins one week yeah I know
1: well thank you very much for listening to Fulhamish today loads to discuss after that dramatic 1-0 victory over Middlesbrough on Saturday so Fulhamish Extra as I mentioned early in the podcast we'll be doing the full preview of the Burton game plus we're going to be chatting to George from Not The Top 20 podcast So, make sure you're listening to that that's going to be dropping on Wednesday evening Thursday morning, hopefully in time for your Thursday morning commute. Uh, We need to title today's podcast. Jack, you teased it earlier. What have you got in the locker?
3: Uh, I'm going for the Hollywood moment. I think it
1: was uh, always going to be something along those lines. The Hollywood moment it was and what a great moment it was for all those Fulham fans that travelled the long way up to Middlesbrough on Saturday. So, uh, we'll see you on Wednesday evening, Thursday morning for Fulhamish Extra. All that remains to be said for now is Jack Collins. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. Drew Heatley, thank you very much. Cheers. And Don Betts, see you later. Laters. Take care. Bye-bye. Toodles.